I didn't fold your papers. You have to fold them yourself. I want to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 for today. Philippians 4. If you have your notes already or when you get your notes, you'll see at the very top, it is the lesson, Lawful versus Worldly Cares. And so, still going through Henry Scudder's book, The Christian's Daily Walk, and we are, at this point, we're getting toward the end of the book. I believe my plan is that next Lord's Day we will finish this up, just going to wrap things up uh, next Sunday. That'll be our last Sunday school of the year. And then, Lord willing, when we come to the next year, it'll be January 6th. It'll be our, our next Sunday school after next week. Uh, we'll start a new series of lessons after that. But we'll wrap up Henry Scudder's book, Lord willing, next week. But this lesson is really multifaceted in some ways. It really is a chapter dealing with the subject of discernment, though he really doesn't emphasize that word so much, although that really is the point of the chapter. Walking with the Lord, making a distinction between what is important in this life and what is not quite so important. What things we really need to give our time and attention to, things that are legitimate distractions in this life, and things that we ought not be distracted by. And so if you look at the first couple paragraphs there in your notes, I write that walking with God requires you to have an unwavering focus on the glory of God in all things. Now, that is something that really should be established by all the lessons we've been dealing with so far. Walking with the Lord, one of the primary principles that we address with walking with God is the fear of the Lord. And understanding that from the perspective that we fear the Lord in such a way that we recognize and understand that God is always present. We always factor God into everything, every decision of life, Every place we go, everything we say, we factor God in. The illustration is of a married relationship. There are things that because I'm married to Lydia, I don't do. I don't go on dates with other women because I'm married to Lydia. And, and so I'm hemmed in. I don't want to go on dates with other women because I'm married to Lydia. My, my affections, my, my desires, everything has been changed because of this relationship that I have with my wife. And so as we're in relationship with the Lord, things change. Desires change, motives change, everything is different. Every decision I make, everything I do, I factor into the equation, I'm married to Lydia, right? I don't get on steep roofs anymore because I'm married to Lydia and I have children that I have to take care of. And so it, it governs my activities. It, it changes what I do. And the same thing with being with the Lord, walking with the Lord, it changes what we do. And God is factored into everything. Now, someone has said along the way, 
I don't know where this quotation originated from, but someone said, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Maybe you've heard that before. But the appropriate response to that is really, you cannot be any earthly good until first you are appropriately heavenly minded. If you don't have a right perspective of God, you're of no value to this earth. You, you don't contribute to the prosperity and to the ultimate good of humanity unless first you are in a right relationship with God. Now, that's a big statement, and that requires a lot more explanation, and, and there's some shock value involved in that statement. I, I will admit and recognize that. But you are of no real earthly good until first you are properly heavenly-minded. Now, so that begs the question, how then are we to live? What does walking with God actually look like day to day? Now, we've been dealing with that all along the way from various perspectives, walking with God in prosperity and walking with God in affliction and walking with God alone and walking with God with other people, walking with God in the context of with believers, walking with God in the context of with unbelievers. So in the workplace and you're surrounded by ungodly people that don't know or love the Lord. What does it look like to walk with the Lord? And we've dealt with ramifications of that in different scenarios all along the way. In this chapter, he focuses on the application of Philippians 4.6. So let's just look at that verse, and we have to understand this verse and then go from there. And so we have at the very beginning of verse 6 just a blanket, straightforward statement. A straightforward command, be careful for nothing. Now, we, we stop there and just consider that for a moment. Be careful for nothing. Well, the word that's used there as careful is used in the New Testament in two different ways. It's used positively and it's used negatively. It, it is used in a positive sense in that there are things, and, and we'll see examples here in just a moment, there are things that we are commanded in Scripture to be careful about. And so there's the positive aspect of it. We are to be careful in some things. But the word is also used in the negative sense and really carries more of the idea of anxious. And that's what we have here. Be anxious for nothing. So, so let's use some other words to help explain this. Do not be inordinately consumed with anything that is outside of the context of trusting the Lord. So don't be anxious. But instead, so here's how the verse goes, but instead, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so this is the verse that he expounds in this chapter, really dealing with the application of it. What does it mean for the Christian not to be anxious, but instead to trust the Lord with everything? Now, as he unfolds this, he explains that obviously this verse does not mean that you literally should not take care of anything, that you shouldn't be 
even distracted, even spiritually distracted with anything. Because there are what he divides into two categories, lawful cares and worldly cares. And this is really the the focus and, and the emphasis of this chapter. The difference between lawful care and worldly care. Now, a lawful care is something that really is an act of wisdom and discernment. We must be discerning as to what we give priority to and what we let go. We also have to have spiritual discernment to understand when we can make things priority and when we can let things go. Pastor Kimbrough was joking with me last week at the men's prayer breakfast, just to give you some context so you understand the joke. So last Saturday at 4 o'clock was one of the most important events of 2023. It was the SEC championship game. Okay, that's one of the most important things on the calendar. Now, obviously I say that tongue-in-cheek, right? Is the SEC championship game important? Absolutely not, right? Well, Reggie was telling me the story of a friend of his who's a huge Boston Red Sox fan. And it got down to, this was several years ago, 15 or more years ago. It got down to Game 7 of the World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Not the World Series, the American League Championship Series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Okay, so this friend of Reggie's was a pastor up in New Hampshire. Game was to start at, you know, whatever it was, 7 o'clock, right? So, like, at 6.59, he calls his friend. And, you know, this is not Reggie's character, right? You guys know he's not really a jokester. But he calls his friend, 6.59, and puts on, you know, all of his pastoral voice and is making as if he really needs to talk to his friend about this really important church matter, right? Like literally a minute before (laughs) the game is supposed to start between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And anyway, his friend saw through the whole thing and realized that, you know, he was just putting on and it it was just a big joke, right? And so Reggie was joking with me Saturday that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to call you about 4 o'clock this evening, and I have a really important church matter to discuss with you. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to be available, right? Because Pastor Kimbrough tells the same stories over and over. So I had heard the story about the Yankees and the thing, so I knew what it was. Um, But, you know, so here's the thing. Is that game important? Well, it was to me at the time. It was something that was important to me. I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see it. But if something happened... I mean, it's okay if I never watch another football game in my life. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll be okay. If I never see another football game, I'll make it. It'll be okay. So we have to keep all these things in a right and appropriate perspective. There's a time when it can be important to me and I can engage in that. But there's also a time when you know, it doesn't matter. It's okay. It doesn't matter at all. It's of zero importance in the grand scheme of things. And there's discernment to understand when and, and what those things are. But he addresses some things that are world, I'm sorry, that are lawful cares. 
And so let's turn up a few passages just quickly. We won't, we'll just kind of just bang through these rather quickly because I think for us, these are going to be on the obvious side of things. Provision for the future is one. You know, we have a responsibility, especially as fathers, men in our home, we have a responsibility to take care of our household. And it is lawful for us to care about our home, the future of our home, to look ahead, to plan, to anticipate, etc. And so the example he gives is Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11, and where there Solomon in Proverbs tells us to go to the ant, thou sluggard. Now, consider the ant. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. And so here, the example just simply of the ant that, I mean, this is what God has put into its instincts to, to gather up for the future. And so here, Solomon is telling us, look, be wise. The future is coming, you know, the Lord's return, you know, whatever. But while we're still here, there is a future there are legitimate preparations to make for that. There are legitimate cares. And, you know, and can that get out of bounds? Of course it can. Right? If you're consumed with your 401k and you're constantly looking at all the numbers and you're constantly running the scenario and you know, studying your spreadsheet, and, you know, that can get inordinate and out of perspective and out of bounds. But it's lawful to take care of these things and to plan ahead for the future. So there's one example. The other example he uses is in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. We won't read all those verses. But he uses the example of the, the Apostle Paul having the care for the churches. Now, the way Paul talks about this in verse 27, I'm sorry, starting in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, he Paul begins to describe various trials, various difficulties that he has faced in his life. Different persecutions that he has had along the way serving the Lord. He gets to verse 28. At the very end of this list of these persecutions, these trials, these difficulties that he's been facing, he says, besides those things, you know, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily... The care of all the churches. And so here Paul is saying, you know, all these other inconveniences, the thing that really keeps me up at night is the care of the churches. Those are the things that really have my attention. And that's where my heart is. And so he had that daily distracting, even, if you will, care on his heart for the welfare of the churches of God. Now, we'll see in a moment some descriptions of lawful care, um, characteristics of it, and, and maybe we'll come back to Paul. The next one overlaps a little bit with the first one, but he talks about care for your home and your family. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if any provide not for his own, 
and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's strong language. If you don't provide for your own home, you're worse than an infidel. And then you have the example of the woman in Proverbs 31 who, in an appropriate submissive way to her husband, mind you, but in an appropriate way, is a virtuous woman who cares for her home. She takes care of the needs of her family. She makes sure they have clothing that they need and food on the table and uh, you know, shelter and all the rest of it. She provides and helps take care of all of those things. Those are legitimate cares. Those are lawful concerns that we are to have. And then we, we can look at a few others. He talks about care for diligent labor. Uh, Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. And so the legitimacy of work and, and, and taking care of your work, your secular employment, and then being careful to be honest with your dealings with other people. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. And, they, and that you study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. And so he, he goes through some examples of things that are legitimate for us to be careful about. Now... I think you all understand this already. None of those exist in a vacuum. None of those cares that we are to have, we put into the category of the arm of the flesh. Right? All of those cares and those concerns, we still have to put into the umbrella of Philippians 4.6. Don't be anxious about those things. Instead, commit them to the Lord, but they are things that legitimately and lawfully demand our attention. And so, obviously, this is not an exhaustive list because there's so many. And so then he goes into what he calls descriptions of, or I've, I've changed the word, characteristics of lawful care. And so, really, from this perspective, how can we analyze our own lives? How can we analyze our own priorities? And understand, are these things that are legitimate for me to, to really spend my time on and, and really devote myself to these things? And so the first one that I put here is, it is consistent. A lawful care is consistent with good understanding, wisdom, and discernment. And this is where he starts. It really just has a paragraph about common sense. And from reading what he says, it seems that uh, what he was dealing with in his culture is not different than what we've, we deal with, in that common sense is not very common. It's a pretty rare bird sometimes to find good common sense. Try to understand what he's talking about here. And I think the best illustration that I have come up with is what we call the reasonable man argument. And that seems to be what he's talking about and how he describes this, at least the way I understand what he's talking about. If you don't know what the reasonable man argument is, it's, it's used in law. Um, it's used as one of the main illustrations. If you ever um, 
take like a concealed carry gun class or something like that. They talk about the reasonable man argument. And the idea is when you are, you know, judged by a jury of your peers, would a reasonable person react and do what you did? Right? Would a reasonable person react and do what you did? So an extreme example, right? You're putting your groceries into your car at Walmart and somebody says, hey, mister, and you turn around and you know, blow their head off, right? That, that's not reasonable, right? The guy didn't do anything to you. You're not in any danger. You know, that, that's not reasonable. And so you would be convicted and you should go to jail. But the idea is, would a reasonable person act and react in a similar way? And so if we apply that here, I would put it this way. Would the average reasonable person recognize that the thing that you are so concerned about is a reasonable thing to be concerned about? Right? Is, is this reasonable? Right? And so let's use a stupid illustration. Right? You know, let, let's say a person is into collecting chewed chewing gum. Right? This is the stupidest thing I can think of. Right, somebody's into collecting chewed chewing gum, and so they go to parks, and they look under picnic tables and under benches. Right, this is stupid, right? This is the point. And, and they're consumed with finding chewed chewing gum, and they are on eBay, and you know, they find chewing gum chewed by Taylor Swift, and they spend $5,000 on a piece of chewing gum, right? It's, you know, would a reasonable person look at that and like, yeah, that's a good hobby? Right? No, it's ridiculous. That's not a good hobby. That's not something to be consumed about. Again, that's the stupidest thing I can think of. But I think you understand what we're getting at. Things that are lawful are things that are agreeable to common sense. Right? So, so let's be less silly. Would a reasonable person care about their favorite sports team, whatever your sports team is. Well, yeah, a reasonable person would care about their sports team. But would a reasonable person say, yeah, it's a good idea for you to take the money that you were going to pay your mortgage with and buy tickets to that next game, right? That's where we're out of bounds, right? That's where reasonable people say, no, that's... That's not, that's unlawful. That's not a lawful care. And so I think that illustrates that. The second one is that it's always about good and lawful things. Things that have benefit. Things that, that are to some profit. Right? To, so it, lawful cares are things that to have a conversation about those things would be profitable to any other believer. Any other believer in Christ, you enter into the conversation about the thing that you care about. They're going to resonate with that and they're going to get it and they're going to understand. Now, that's very broad, broad paintbrush there. But we, we can drill down and say the end result of the thing that you care about does have some profit. Perhaps not eternal profit. I'm 
talking a lot about sports teams and, and that kind of thing, but you know, there is profit in organized sports. We can understand teamwork and camaraderie and sportsmanship and all the rest of it. And we can understand the, the profitable nature of those things, but yet we can also understand how they get inordinate in people's affections. The third thing he mentions here is it uses only lawful means to accomplish those lawful ends. So let's turn up a passage here. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. One of the things that he emphasizes in this passage is against what we call Jesuistry. Uh, Jesuitry is the idea that the end justifies the means. That it doesn't matter how I get there as long as the thing I'm getting to is good. I, I, can, I can lie, cheat, and steal as long as I have good intentions and good motives. And obviously that's not right. So the illustration he uses here is of the relationship of David with Jonathan with Saul in the mix. Right? So Saul is trying to kill David. And David has a lawful care for the preservation of his own life. And just to remind you from Scripture, you know this, there were times that David was in a situation that he very easily could have killed Saul. But he didn't do that. He, in fact, said, how can I touch the Lord's anointed? He had a, his, his conscience would not allow him to do any harm or injury to the Lord's anointed. Now, you know, here's the thing. David was actually the Lord's anointed. When, when all that took place, Samuel had already anointed David to be the king. But David was not yet realized on the throne as king. Saul was still the king. David recognized Saul as the legitimate king and authority that God had on the throne. And so he, you look at 1 Samuel 20, verse 1. It says, And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, so Jonathan is Saul's son, came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And so David and Jonathan were very, very close friends. Jonathan understood his dad was crazy and understood what was going on. And Jonathan, you read on down the passage, Jonathan basically makes a pact with David. I'm going to help you. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to reveal to you what my dad is up to. Now, David here was using lawful means to accomplish lawful ends in that he didn't take matters into his own hands and just kill Saul when he had the opportunity to. But he did take lawful care for his own life. And as it plays out, Jonathan and David have this plan where Jonathan was going to go talk to Saul and find out what he was up to. And then David was going to be hiding in a field and Jonathan was going to be doing archery practice, and if he shot his arrow in a certain place, then that meant David was safe. If he shot his arrow in a different place, that meant that David was in danger and David needed to you know, get out of town kind of thing. But the point there is that David was not using unlawful means for the protection of his own life. He was trusting the Lord in all this. He understood what God had already done for him, and he was anointed to be the king, but he said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. God will deal with Saul. 
And he trusted the Lord to deal with Saul. And the Lord did. And we know how the whole thing plays out. But the emphasis there of that a man's intentions, well, I'll just read what he says. But though a man's intentions be ever so good and the thing cared for be good, yet, it me, yet if the means to get it be unlawful, then the care is evil. The fourth one that he puts here is that it is a full care for the whole person. It's not care for the spiritual to the neglect of the physical. It's not care for the physical to the neglect of the spiritual. I don't necessarily like to use this word in this context, but this is the best word to use. It's balanced. Right? There's a balance between the physical and the spiritual. I knew a man who was a leader in a church. Um, he was a deacon in the church. And his wife ended up divorcing him. And one of her main reasons for divorcing him, this is going to sound very strange to you, is all he ever does is read his Bible. And she wanted a divorce. All he ever does is read his Bible. I went to their house one time. And when I arrived, she was in the kitchen. Two little kids were playing. He was upstairs in his bedroom. And I said, where is, and I said the man's name. And she said, he's upstairs reading his Bible. Like she was frustrated. Now, obviously, I highly recommend reading your Bible. But the situation in this home was that it was basically all he ever did to the neglect of his family, to being late to work, to missing work, to not going to his kids' soccer games because he was home reading his Bible. Right? And that's all he did. That's, according to her, like literally all he did. He neglected his duties as a father. He neglected his duties as a parent, ultimately neglected his duties as a friend. Right? The, when I was there, he never came downstairs. I was only there for a little time, but he never came downstairs. Now, that is, even from the spiritual, inordinate. Right? Can you make your Bible an idol? Yeah, you can. You can do that. And he emphasizes here that this, this right, lawful care for things is definitely not to the neglect of the spiritual, but it's not to the spiritual that it neglects the physical. Right? There, there has to be an understanding in, in the middle. We're almost out of time here. Let me finish with this fifth one. It distinguishes between the important and the less important. You know, the illustration there of Mary and Martha. The Lord blessed Mary for attending to the more needful thing. Martha was all upset. You know, I got all this stuff I got to do in the house, and Mary's not helping at all. Mary should be helping. And the Lord says that Mary has chosen the better part. Now, there are other needful things. There are absolutely in the home and house chores legitimate things to be done. But yet there are things that are important, and there are things that are less important. And so 1 Corinthians 6, 12, 
Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Not everything has the same level of importance. And so, you know, we can come back to my football game last Saturday. If one of you had had a heart attack, I would have missed the game and come and visited you in the hospital, right? I was praying that everybody in the church would be safe and nobody would have a heart attack. <laughs> but, if, you know, if something happened, you know, seriously, if something happened, if, if somebody calls and is like, you know, Derek, this really is going wrong and I need some counsel or whatever, absolutely. Turn the game off. I'll, I'll talk to you. 100%. Right? There's important things that are legitimate and there's things that are just not important. And it takes spiritual discernment to understand the difference in those things. So hopefully this is helpful. Um, you, you can just finish reading this yourself. Signs that you are consumed with worldly care. But then putting it all together, the bottom line is that it is the Lord's intention for us that we are not anxious. That instead of being consumed with anxious you know, anxiety and those kinds of cares, that we trust the Lord. And you read that last paragraph, but I use the illustration of a child. You know, a child in the home you know, most of the time, appropriately is so, he has no idea what the balance in the checkbook is. He has no idea the problems in the home. He, he doesn't know any of this. He's a kid, right? He doesn't know or it doesn't matter to him. He just knows mommy and daddy take care of things. You know, I, mom says dinner's ready. I go sit down at the table and there's food. I don't know how it got there. I don't know the struggle that my parents went through to get that and to make that and to provide. I don't know all that. But there it is. And I enjoy it. And, you know, pass the rolls. Right? And that's a kid's just the simplicity of mom and dad take care of everything. And really that's where we ought to be as believers. The Lord's going to take care of all these things. I know I'm in the Lord's will. I know I'm walking with the Lord. I know the Lord has me in this place at this time. I know the Lord has this circumstance for me in this moment. God's going to take care of it. It'll be okay. And so we're not anxious. We trust the Lord. And if we can understand and use that illustration of you know, a child in the home, and I think we as parents understand how that plays out, it's, it's our responsibility as parents to take care of our kids. It's God's responsibility to take care of us. And we just trust the Lord to take care of us. Everything's going to be okay. The Lord, the Lord has a, a plan and purpose that we can trust. And the Lord is powerful enough, He's kind enough, and He's worthy of all of our trust. And so we can just rest there and not be anxious about the things of this life. So let's close there. And then, like I said, next week we'll wrap up this whole study and, and try to bring that to a close here. But let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that you have told us that in everything by prayer and supplication we're to make our requests known to you. And in doing that, we leave things at your feet. We thank you that we have one to take the problems of life too, that you've not left us to ourselves to struggle through and, and be anxious and have these cares on ourselves. But you've told us that 
your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And you are the great helper of your people. And we thank you for that. We pray that you'll bless our worship service here to follow. We pray for Pastor Kimbrough as he preaches, that you would fill him with your spirit. Give us a word from the scriptures that would help us in our walk with you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.